Annette Frisch lives in Germany, in Düsseldorf to be more precise, near the Rhine. She has a passion for swimming, mostly outdoor pool swimming. She has written eloquently about outdoor swimming in many forms and has a passion too for arts, writing and understanding the many ways of swimming. Annette Frisch, welcome to Swimming Pod. Thank you so much, Stanley, for this invitation. I'm really, really happy and appreciate that you, yes, that you have me as a guest in your wonderful podcast series. Wonderful, really. Can you describe yourself as a swimmer? I think it's quite a difficult question. So yourself as a swimmer, I thought about this question a lot. I think I'm an athletic swimmer, but I don't have any competitive ambition. Nothing at all. My swimming style is I like to to crawl and breaststroke. I think it's too slow for me. Although it's calmer and you know it's it's not so loud because you you won't listen to your breath so much. So, but it's too slow for me. Butterfly, I really love, but I don't master that that technique. After fifty meters, I have really lower back pain problems. So, butterfly is not my style. But I prefer to swim for a long time because only then it happens that I forget everything around me and just be a woman swimming no more and no less. Everything is very simple, a movement and a ritual then. This is what I really, really love. You know, as a journalist, I would like to ask you, how would you describe yourself as a swimmer? But it's your podcast and <laughs> I have to, <laughs> and maybe I should step a little bit back now and give you as a host uh, the responsibility of this interview. <laughs> But I will answer the question. I, I, Wonderful. I think of myself as a hybrid of many things. So I like to swim distances in mm -hmm. outdoors in the summer, mm -hmm. four or five kilometers Six kilometers sometimes is nice. And a mixture of um, crawl and breaststroke because some places are very beautiful and I just like to see what's around me. Mm. Ah, and, yeah. And, and like you, I've been involved in competitive swimming in the past, but now I'm not interested in competition at all. So <laughs> sometimes I'll go into an event, but I don't mind where I come. It really doesn't bother mm. me. And the other swimmer I think I am is a winter swimmer. <laughs> which, is, which I which I have a passion for now. I've progressively gotten rid of the wetsuit. Ah, super. Else. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a winter swimmer too, but I do swim indoors. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. <laughs> you lived in South Africa for, for a time. So was swimming yes. a part of your life there? Yes, absolutely. You must know that I swim since I am, uh, I was uh, 21 years old. So maybe I have to, to go back into my swimming past. I tried swimming in a swim club when I was a teenager, but the competition of girls swimming against girls, I never took it very well. It uh, put incredible pre uh, incredible pressure on me for example when i was supposed to compete in a, a relay for the school team i fainted after jumping into the pool so they had to rescue me and my team was disqualified i was so terribly ashamed so 
I quit this competitive um, area of swimming, but back to South Africa. You know, I studied in Cape Town one term at the University of Drama because in Germany I studied or science of the theatre. And I was swimming every day at the Sea Point Pool or the Newlands Pool. These are two Olympic-sized pools in Cape Town. And the Sea Point Pool is the one which is directly at the sea. So it was filled with seawater. So and it was a mixture of chlorine and seawater. And quite difficult if you swallow it. It has strange effects on your, your stomach. <laughs> Yes, that was really wonderful. And at the time, I didn't swim in open water because I didn't know that. I always thought that people who are going to swim in open water are uh, marathon swimmers. You know, they do a marathon. It wasn't in my focus. I thought, no, it's other people do this, not me. Yeah, this was my time when I was in uh, South Africa. And I think swimming today, uh, for me, still takes place mainly in a pool embedded in a structure, in an infrastructure, and in a, a special sports culture. Uh, in comparison to swimming in, in the open sea, of course, it is something completely different. My world is the world of tiles, of almost always the same movement of the water, of almost the same sounds, Yeah, the same noises above all stability. You know, nothing will somehow particularly surprise you when you're swimming in the pool. It's very calculable uh, in comparison to swimming in the, in the open water. I imagine if you swim in, in the ocean with its worlds under your body, that's something completely different. And with waves that might be amplified by a passing ship or by the wind, which is getting stronger, something like that. What's your experience of swimming in Germany? You know, swimming, as far as I can tell, as a non-professional club swimmer uh, in Germany is a popular sport. Now, during Corona, I have noticed that friends have discovered swimming for themselves. That's funny as well. So... You know, they normally do running, but then they found this swimming thing. But maybe it's a question of, of age because they are nearly 50 now and they discover swimming as sports because it's so gentle, delicate and yet efficient when it comes to fitness and improving physical uh, strength. And I told you that swimming at the moment in Germany is non-swimming uh, in Germany because everything is closed. The indoor pools are closed, the outdoor pools are closed, and I live in a region where you don't have access to a nice river or a beautiful lake, something like that. Different to the uh, southern region of Germany or in the east, nearby Berlin, something like that. You have a lot of lakes and you have wonderful water, water quality. But here in the middle of Germany, it's very difficult, so... You like open-air pools for swimming and for photography. Can you say why? Well, I swim in pools because I grew up in an area where there are no lakes or river or the ocean, I told you. So I'm somehow pool-socialized. I didn't grow up with a, a lake or a sea. This could be the reason that I, I used to swim in pools, and that suits me very well that I appreciate this uniformity and this, um, how do you say, expectability of pools. 
that nothing can disturb me on my way into my inner self while I'm swimming. I don't have to think about where danger might lurk or what I have to watch out for like in open water. Is there a boat coming? Is there a current? Is the wind changing? I can get involved pretty quickly and also let myself go in a pool, surrender to the movement and the rhythm. And I like that very much. I have also experienced how great it is to swim in open water, uh, how it feels to be very small and at the same time so deeply connected to the element of water. About three years ago, um, I swam in the ocean in Fennet, which is an island, and a friend of ours lives there, and he invited me to swim uh, in the ocean. And that was wonderful. And since then, I have been longing to do some training and learn open water swimming. But uh, Corona put a stop to my plans for now. I really think that pools are beautiful. Every pool is beautiful and every pool tells really, it tells a story. It's different to oceans. Oceans and lakes, maybe they look similar, but I think pools are like houses. They are different and you can discover so many stories in a pool. And I think uh, from a social cultural aspect the pools are the last places where people of all ages and different social and cultural backgrounds meet what's remarkable they have fun together almost naked you know they meet each other completely so not completely but almost naked and and where in the world or where in in our life in our first world life we meet in this very situation, I think that's completely, it's completely exclusive. Sometimes I sit there for minutes after, after swimming and I watch how people interact with each other, how children discover the water for themselves. And I'm happy about those scenes in which older people rediscover how playful it is being in water. So maybe when I'm in, uh, at a pool, I often think that people rediscover a part of their childhood because in water, at a pool, so in my world, how I grew up, swimming has always to do with, it is always playful, it's, it has always to do with playing. So water is something like a unifying element. I agree with you. It, I have a fascination for uh, some pools in England, which are maybe nearly a hundred years old, some some over a hundred years old, and they're Wonderful. all coming back into fashion now. It's like a little time travel, then, you know, with a one hundred year old pool. I think that's really amazing to swim there. You've got a, a wonderful website and a strong social media presence. You post on cultural aspects of swimming. So what are the cultural aspects of swimming that you see as being important to you? Uh, thank you first, uh, Stanley, for your compliment. That's wonderful. Thanks that you like my website as I go through the world. So I let myself completely go and yeah, watch out for things. And maybe it's the phenomenological aspects of water in swimming. I think, Stanley, that we both read the book of Charles Sprawson. And when I uh, read it, 
it opened my eyes for the importance of swimming. Swimming combines people, brings people together in a very light and very uh, peaceful manner. I, I like this idea. I remember uh, in this book of Charles Prawson, Plato says that lettuce and swimming are the most important um, aspects of education. Uh, nobody would say that today. But I was thinking about this because for me, it's important. I would say, yes, swimming is important for education. I think that swimming can teach a person in different ways. First, you learn to swim and to stay on the water or in the water and to be friend with water. With that, you learn how to breathe. And breathing is a process you cannot influence. Yeah, you can breathe quick and you can breathe slow, but you can't stop your breathing. It's natural. It comes natural all the time. It sounds simple, but by learning to breathe, this has a positive effect on your nervous system. And thus, again, has effects on your health. It's important because then you learn to deal with failure. Now I come back to Plato. It's so wonderful that he discovered how important swimming for education is. This is one cultural aspect on swimming. I don't know if you know this wonderful book of Bonnie Tsui. Do you know Bonnie Tsui? Why we swim. And there's another cultural aspect on swimming, which I didn't know about, is in one chapter she talks about samurai. You know, the Japanese fighters, the samurais, and they learn and they are, they are clubs or teams because the samurai has to learn swimming and they do everything in silence. So imagine a samurai completely packed with everything, like with this whole um, costume and he has to move very silently. And so this is another wonderful aspect of our cultural aspect on swimming. Therefore, I think rediscover the cultural importance of swimming. <laughs> it could be a message. <laughs> I think it's an important message, given that uh, swimming is becoming ever more popular at the moment. Interesting, isn't it? And then the question would be, why? What happens in the world that people rediscover swimmings? Where's this connection? So this is a phenomenological question. Can you describe your website and what it does for the world of swimming? I hope that it inspires people. It's more a diary. It's a web blog. I interview people, swimmer and talk, uh, talk with them about what we are doing at the moment, Stanley, about why we swim, to, uh, to quote uh, Bonitsui's book. When did they start? Why did they start? Uh, which meaning do swimming have for them? And I try to deal with swimming like watch into a kaleidoscope. There are so many worlds and aspects of swimming which, is, which are interesting. For example, I realized that a lot of current films, like German films mostly, there's always a scene where the protagonist goes swimming. You say that swimming becomes more popular. This reflects in films as well. So you will always have, not always, I'm exaggerating, but there are, there are a lot of scenes which are actions which, which take place in a pool where the protagonist spends time in a pool. 
I think that's absolutely fascinating because this, this is happening all over the place. There's a small vignette of the protagonist getting into the water. I'm so happy. I'm so glad, Stanley, that, that you translate what I was saying in this wonderful English. Yeah. <laughs> Can we turn to your photography now? You're a very accomplished image maker. Can you describe what you do? It's very simple, Stanley, because I'm completely amateur. You know, I grab my iPhone and I focus on an object or on a scene or something like that. And I press the button. Not even It's not even a button anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a fingertip. Maybe what drives me is, yeah, the, the deep connection and the, the deep, maybe a sensuality or emotion. And it's always, as I'm a melancholic type of woman, it's always connected to an emotion. And maybe you see that in the uh, photos, but I'm, I'm not a professional photographer, but I'm happy that you, that you like them, really. I feel that some of your images with diving boards, for example, they feel like they're charged objects. They're just mm. sitting there, but they feel like they contain some power. And to me, this is what they capture. Yeah, that's what I feel when I was swimming, that I feel really powerful, although exhausted in the end, but completely there's a, something like a togetherness. In your work as an author and conceptual designer, you look for disruption for the unexpected. Does this carry across to your world of swimming and how you represent it? I'm interested in the disruption, but as well in this fragility. Because I think, not, you know, nothing is perfect, even though we are confronted every day with these images that tell us uh, this is perfect and not that. And there are marketing concepts that serve as stereotypes or more recently personas, you know, now they are called personas because they can't deal with diversity or brittleness. And uh, transferred to my world of swimming, I'm not interested in stories that rely on superlatives of the adverse, uh, advertising industry, in the industry, on the greatest possible social media resonance through self-staging. I'm interested in the quiet and in human tones, the ones that don't make sense because our lives are ambivalent and refuse any linearity. You know, when I would find an attitude, I would say I swim with this attitude. And therefore, every day when I swim, every day is completely different from the day before. So I have no expectation of how many uh, kilometers I swim. I don't care about what I wear. The main thing is that it doesn't slip during the turns. I don't care about the other swimmers in the pool because I concentrate on my swimming. No, no more and no, no less. And when I get out of the pool and I spend some minutes at this on the side and I watch the people, then I'm in the other world again. But before I'm in this, in this water world, and I'm pretty sure that you experience this completely different world when you swim uh, outside in, in, this, in a lake or something like that, then this feeling must be much more experience, much, much stronger, I would say. Annette Frisch, thank you so much for coming on Swimming Pod. Oh, Stanley, it was such a pleasure having me in your wonderful podcast. Do you listen to jazz, Stanley? Yeah, I don't know if it counts, but the last concert I went to was Jan Gabarek. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. I, I don't know how to describe jazz, to be perfectly mm. honest. I'm a land animal at the moment. Last year it was, uh, you're muted, and yet now it's, 
It will come. It will come. Ah, yeah, it will come. 